Hallelujah. Father, we do thank you for all that you've done for us. Father, as we sang these songs this morning, the power, the anointing, the, the, the life that Jesus gave us is precious. Salvation is precious. Forgiveness is amazing. And Father, we, we'll spend eternity thanking you and praising you. And I'm so glad we got to do it today again together. Thank you for all that you've done for us and are doing for us. Thank you, Lord, that what you began, what you began in us, you are well able to bring to completion. Thank you for it, Father. And this morning, as we continue to worship and all that we do here, all that we do all the rest of the day and throughout the week, I pray, I pray Father, that, that the worship of our lives gives you all the glory that you need as with all the saints <laughs> around the world. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 11. Guess what we're going to talk about? Faith. So we've been doing a series on faith. I've, I, I have been doing a series on faith, and we've been a part of that. And... Uh, been now three, four weeks, and, and we've been given the background and, and, and talking about uh, walking by faith, being, being living by faith, and, and what does it mean? I even, I even touched on at one point, what does it mean when, when Jesus said, uh, you, you know, you have such little faith, or you lack faith, or you have, your faith is weak? Or, I mean, Jesus said that stuff, you know, and people get offended if, if somebody even, you know, maybe says something that sounds like that. But the reality is, he's not saying shame on you. You are a lesser of a Christian because you don't have enough faith. He's just making a point because we have a definition of faith. Many times people think, well, what is faith? Ooh, it's this power, it's this thing, it's this, you know, ooh, it's super spiritual. The reality is, it's trust. Faith is that you trust God. That's what faith is. And when we trust God, then we do something about it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and, and that, that faith is not a noun. You know, even though in Hebrews 11, we're going to read it here in just a second, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so a lot of times people think it's, it's a thing. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a power or it's a, it's, it's a substance. Well, it's, it, it, you know, it, what it's meaning is it's real. You know, it's not esoteric it's not ethereal it's it's real it's faith is something that we have to to do that we have to be a part faith is actually a verb faith is an action if you believe something if you believe it enough you'll actually do it and so um, and we're going to see a whole bunch of people who did that and how they did that so hebrews chapter 11 beginning with verse 1, says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for 
And I'm reading out of the ESV, so it's not exactly how I said it in just a moment ago. That was the King James coming out in me. Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Here in the ESV it says, now faith is the assurance. I mean assurance. That's a, 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 we can understand that. I know this is going to happen. If I put my faith into God, I, I know he's going to do it. Now, do I still battle? Do I still struggle? Do I, absolutely. Absolutely. You're human. We're human. I mean, we live on this earth. We, we have to deal with the symptoms. You know, this week, <clears throat> this week, I, I, I didn't realize what I had I, I did realize what I did, but I didn't realize what I had done. I had had a big breakfast. You know, you ever have a big, I love big, I, I love breakfast. You know, just breakfast is good. And I, I had a big breakfast and I was kind of full getting close to lunch. So I didn't eat lunch. And I'm, I'm not, so I didn't eat. I ne never really even thought about it. I thought, well, I'm not hungry, so I'm not going to eat. Well, about 4 o'clock that afternoon, I started getting shaky. And I started getting lightheaded. And I, got, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm coming down with something. Oh, oh my God. You know, I mean, that, you, you, your head starts going, you're sick, you're sick. And, and immediately I'm like, no, no. By his stripes, I am healed. Okay, so, so I, I immediately took control of those thoughts. I did something. It's, it's the assurance that God can do something. And so, so I, <laughs> I, 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 immediately I, I go out in the porch where it's a little cooler and I sit down and I, and I go, I am healed. This body is healed. There is no sickness in this body. There is no, nothing wrong with me. There is no, no weapon formed against me. I'm, staying, I'm going after this thing because I, I hate sickness. I hate sickness more and more every day. And I came in and, and I, I said to my wife, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm shaky. And she goes, have you eaten anything? Sometimes God sounds like your wife. <laughs> and I said, well, no, I don't feel good. I don't want to eat anything. She goes, eat something. She encouraged me. So I ate something. I went, oh, hey, I feel better. Isn't that amazing? I mean, okay, it wasn't cancer, right? It's not, we're not talking about, you know, uh, a massive heart attack. We're, we're just talking about not feeling well. You know what? But God has that answer too. And it comes through wisdom from your spouse. Listen to them. Amen. Amen. Listen to your spouse. Most of the time. <laughs> but it's the assurance that God will do it. He has done it. Amen. All right. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. Now, if you know anything about Hebrews, we're going to go through a list of people. And these, the, this list of people, is they're the best of the best. Some people call it the, the chapters of the heroes of the faith. But here's the deal. Those people had to walk it just like you and I do. Every one of them had, had every opportunity to doubt, to fear, to quit, to give up, and to not do what God is asking and leading them to do, whatever it may be. So, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Why is that in there? Why is that verse in there. Why, why did, did Paul, who they, I mean, I think he, he probably wrote Hebrews. There's some argument. Who knows? I mean, they don't, there isn't a, a specific, you know, for sure that Paul wrote it, but I, I'm just saying probably he did it. Yeah. Why, okay, well, thank you. 
It's the assurance. It's the assurance of things hoped for. I hoped it. He assured it. Okay. So uh, now I lost my thought. Thanks a lot, man. Okay. So why, why, why bring that verse? Why talk about creation? Because Paul is taking it all the way back to the beginning and said this has been about God from the very start. He is, is through his word. That's what Genesis said. Said he spoke and things came to be. He said he spoke and light was. He spoke and the, the waters parted. He spoke and this and he spoke and, and he spoke things into existence. Do you know that we can speak things into existence? Not because we are God, but because we're empowered by God. We're given the promises. We're given the same, the same thing that, that he gave Jesus. When Jesus was on the earth, he spoke things into being. He said to the layman, get up and walk. He said, get up and walk. He spoke it. That was a, that, he was alluding to the fact that you're healed. He didn't say you're healed, get up and walk. He just said, get up and walk. Stand up. He spoke and things happened. When God spoke, and, and, and so from the very beginning, he, we, he speaks and he did that and things existed. Paul is saying this whole thing is based upon God. It's not based upon you and me. But we can hook up with him. And these people hooked up with God. When God spoke, the creation did what he told it to do. And then when he created man, it says he breathed into man. And now from then on, his righteous ones will live by faith. Just like the, just like the creation did what he said to do, now we are supposed to do what he says to do. And we do it by faith, because we don't see him. We're just saying, uh, the, the once invisible, now visible. Well, yeah, he's, he was, Jesus was visible, but now he is invisible. We don't see him, but we still have to believe by faith. We still walk this out by faith. And so from the very beginning, we had, this whole thing has been by faith. Number four, by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Abel believed God. when God, Because God told him, if you're going to do a sacrifice, do it this way. Cain, Cain gave a sacrifice, didn't he? What was Cain's sacrifice? Fruits and vegetables. But God said, kill an animal. Shed blood. It's important. Life's in the blood. The forgiveness. Of, that innocent animal is going to die and it's going to forget. You, you putting your trust in obeying God. You do it the way he says to do it. And you're going to be accredited righteousness. And that's what it says, what Abel did. Cain didn't. He didn't trust God. He goes, well, I want to do it my way. I want to do it the way I want to do it. Anybody ever done that? We all have. We all have. God lead, is leading a direction. We, we have, a, we have a, a word from the Lord, or we, have, we read it in the Scripture, and we're supposed to live our life a certain way. Well, you know, I, want, I, I, well, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it this way. We're going to get into some of these, these folks 
If they had done it the way they wanted to do it, we wouldn't be here. Noah. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was uh, commended as righteous. When we trust God and do what he says, that's that's the main... Write that down on something, you know, type it into your phone. Do it. If we trust God and do what he says, we are living by faith and we are righteous. Now we're righteous because Jesus lived by faith and went to the cross and died it's through his righteousness. But we can walk this out and our path can be blessed if we live by faith. You know, you can be saved and still live a cruddy life here on earth. Let me say that again, because there's some people going, I don't know if that's theologically correct. It's totally correct. You can be saved. You're going to heaven. You're going to eternity with God. You can be saved, and you can live a cruddy life here on earth. You can, be, you can go without. You can, be, you, can be, you, know, you can live in sickness. You can live in poverty. You can live, in, and you can just go, no, I just, I just want to I just, I just go to heaven. Well, that great. I do too. But I've got about 40, 50 years left here. And I don't, want, I don't want those 40, 50 years to stink, to be terrible, to be, you know, because he, he says he's given us, Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. He came to give us abundant life, to give us life and life. Do people go through problems? Absolutely. I didn't feel good on Friday. I have a toe that hurts, in case you wanted to know. There's healing. Yeah, there's there's prayer afterwards. Exactly. We can come. But okay, life happens. You stub your toe. You know, you 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 the 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 bills come due, and sometimes there's more you know week than money, you know, or month than money, or what. You know, there's times when you have. But in those moments, how do you react? That's the question of the day. In those moments, what do you do? We're going to keep going here. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. How do you please God? You walk by faith, yeah. The righteous shall live. And it says, I will be pleased in those who are walking by faith. Enoch, how many of you know the story of Enoch? It's a really short story. I mean, it's like three verses in the whole Bible, maybe four, talking about Enoch. Do not go and look up the book of Enoch. Now that I said that, you probably will. There's, there's a book of Enoch out there. It's, who cares? It's nothing, all right? But there's, it's, Enoch is in the Bible. He was, it says in, the, in Genesis, it says he walked with God and was no more. What does that mean? No, it's, it, it's, it, it says here that he walked with God and he, was, he, he pleased God and he, as he walked with God, God took him. He, did not, he has not seen death. Wait a second, wait a second. Now, now we're getting crazy here. Everybody dies. Apparently not. There are two people that have lived on this earth, that have not died. Who's the other one? 
Elijah. Nice try, though, George. Nice try. <laughs> you said it with confidence. That's what we need. That's what you're saying. <laughs> Wrong. Okay, but. <laughs> Enoch and Elijah. Why have they not died? Both, okay, so, so Elijah, or uh, Enoch was walking with God and he was no more. He was taken. He, is, he, didn't, he has not experienced death. Elijah was caught up in a whirlwind, right? Chariot fire, caught up in a whirlwind. He has not died. Why? They were righteous, but there's a purpose. I, I believe there's a purpose. Because they're coming back. There are witnesses. Interesting. How many of you ever thought, how many of you ever read Revelation? You know, I mean, read it in the daylight. Don't read it at night. Just don't, don't read it at dark. But there's two witnesses that come down from heaven and, and bear witness to the things that God has done. Interesting. Some people used to say it was Elijah and Moses. Well, Moses died. Moses died. Enoch didn't die. Why Enoch? Why Elijah? Here's my, here's my theory. Can't prove it, but here's my theory. Enoch lived between the creation and the flood. Elijah lived from the flood to Jesus. There's actually three witnesses. Who's the third? Us. We're the third. We are the, we're the third. And, and the Bible says, don't believe anything unless you have witness of two or three witnesses. The world is going to be judged one day and they have nothing to stand on because there's going to be a man named Enoch who shows up in Jerusalem and for a number of days, I think it's what, 40 days or is, is, or is it months? It's longer than that. He's doing signs and wonders and going, God is God. God created everything. I was there. I knew so-and-so. I knew so-and-so. And you might think, well, that's nuts. That's crazy. Just watch. Watch the news. It'll be on CNN. Don't watch CNN, but I mean, it'll be on there. Watch whatever news source you'd like to watch. Elijah will be saying, I was there. I saw this, I saw that, I saw this, and God is God. And we're going to be, God is God. And we saw this, we've experienced this, and the world has zero excuse to live in sin and to hate God, to hate God. But by faith, Enoch walked and pleased God and was no more. Verse 6, And without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe. There it is. You could put in the word must have faith. But the reality is you must believe that first he what? He exists. I just saw a cartoon this week. It made me laugh, then I felt sad. But I laughed first. And it was a guy standing at the gates, and the person at the gate says, uh, it says here that you're an atheist. And the guy standing there goes, was. <laughs> he, we have to believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. He not only exists, but he also is very involved in your life today. It isn't, he isn't involved in just the, the, the patriarch's lives or just the people a thousand years ago or just when he walked on the earth. He is involved with your life right now. And he is well able to reward you. 
What is that reward? Life, life more abundantly, all the promises. He is very, he is, he is as tangible and real. We have to believe that he exists and that he is active and, and, and a part of our life today. I've met people who say, well, I believe there's a God, but he doesn't have anything to do with how I live my life and how, how the world exists and how, no. He, he, is, he, is, he exists and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When you believe that, when stuff happens, how do you react? There's that question again. We're going to keep coming back to that question. Because these people had an opportunity when life went wrong. I mean, Abel was killed. He was the first, first person murdered, as far as we know. It went wrong for him. But his hope was in God. And it says that he was righteous, that he is righteous. And his blood still speaks. You just heard the story of Abel again today. His testimony, his testimony still speaks thousands of years later. But your testimony lives today because of what Jesus did. You have to have faith. We have to believe that he exists and that he's in the middle of doing whatever he's doing right now for you. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, there's that unseen part again, in reverent fear, reverent fear, shaking, oh my gosh, it's God, oh my, no, whoa, you're God, I want to do what you say. That's reverent fear. I, I, I trust you, God, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to obey you, because you're God. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household by this he con condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. It was before Jesus. It was before even Abraham. Noah was the only, it says, it says God looked at the whole earth and he found one person righteous. One person. And that was Noah. He didn't say Noah's family was righteous. He didn't say his wife was righteous. He didn't say that his children were righteous. It says Noah was righteous. And because of that, because of his faith and righteousness and obedience, because he did what God said to do, he saved his whole family and he saved us. Because, because of his obedience. Now that's, you know, Noah had 120 years to trust God before, you know, he was told, build a boat, build a boat. Because it's going to rain. It had never rained beforehand. He did. It never flooded before that. I, I, I just read a book. It just it, it's funny. I read a book, and they said, "Oh, there were regular floods back then." Really? Where did the regular floods come from? They said it had never rained. It was oh, there was dew in the morning, dew in the evening. It had not rained. But he, Abraham, or uh, Noah heard from God, it's going to rain. And it says he believed him. And he believed him and did what? He did what he was told to do, build an ark. You notice he didn't build a canoe. He didn't do it his way. You know, it's easier to build a canoe. Let's build 40 canoes. It'd be easier than this big honking boat, you know, a, a football field long and high. How many of you have been to the ark experience? I have not. I have not been there yet. But big ark, big boat, big huge boat would be easier. Well, he had 120 years to wake up every morning and walk by faith. Do you think he ever had an opportunity to think, this might be dumb? 
especially when your neighbors come over and go, really, Noah? <laughs> really, big house you're building. No, it's not a house, it's an ark. What's an ark? Big boat. Why? Because there's a, there's a flood coming. Right. You know, after one year, they laugh. After five years, they probably quit laughing. They're jeering. They're like, really? No, you're an idiot. But after 50 years of continually working, obeying God, moving forward, by faith, Noah built the ark, and he saved it. He saved mankind because of that. He did something. He didn't just believe, wow, it's going to rain. God says it's going to rain. It's going to rain so much it's going to flood. Wow. I know he said to build a boat. That's a lot of work. I don't know. Where am I going to get enough wood? Who's going to lift these beams? Have you ever seen a movie about that? You know, the elephants are helping. I don't know. By faith, he obeyed. There's a bad thing coming. There's a bad thing coming. There's rain coming. There's a flood coming. There's, it's going to get bad. People are going to die. The whole world's going to die except you. What are you going to do? What did he do? He didn't freak out and go, oh, we're not, we're not, none of us are going to survive. No, he obeyed God and he did something. He did what God told him to do. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Here we go. Now we're starting to use the word over and over again. Obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, he left what he knew, and he went where God told him to go. He had never been there. He didn't even know it existed. But God led him. What did he do? God said, go. By faith, he went. He left. He did what God told him to do. Now, arguably, he didn't do it exactly how God told him to do it. You ever notice that? Because God told him, leave your family. Leave them all. Leave your father. Leave your, leave your father's household. Your father's household. Leave everybody behind. And what did he do? He took Lot. God didn't say to take Lot. God still blessed Abraham. God still, you know, if Abraham still became the father of faith and had all the promises, but he had a whole lot of problems along the way. When we start adding on to what God says to do, if we go, this is, if this is awesome, then this would be even better. When we start interpreting and start adding to what God's doing, there's no, he doesn't promise to bless it. God said he was going to have a son, didn't he? We're going to read that in just a second. God said he's going to have a son. And his wife goes, well, I can't have children. I'm too old. Here, I have a beautiful young handmaiden you could have a child with. And he went, okay. I mean, come on. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's do it that way then. Well, that's not how God said it, did he? He said, no, Sarah is going to have a child. 
Sarah's going to, God, Abraham did, God, or Abraham believed he was going to have a child. He just didn't, he wasn't so sure about doing it exactly the way God said. And because of it, the world's had suffering ever since. Don't add to what God's told you to do. Don't add to what God's told you to do. Don't add to what God's told you to do. Amen? Why? Why, do, why, why add something that's going to cause problems? Do what God tells you to do. Verse 10, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Verse 12. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable, innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. This is a tricky one, isn't it? We all want to see it. We all want the exact fulfillment of every part of the promise to happen right in front of us. We want the satisfaction of seeing it. But it says here, all of those, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they, uh, and even Jacob's children, his actual 12 sons, never saw the promised land in fulfillment. It wasn't until generations later that they finally entered the promised land. And, 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 and it was theirs. They actually lived in it. They actually grew crops. I mean, they, they, they lived in houses they had not built. But it took generations there are times when God tells you to do something in your lifetime that you may not see the complete fulfillment of what he's working on, but don't lose heart. Your, your kids will probably see it, or your grandkids, or so on. You know, years ago, and I've used this example a couple times recently, actually, I was talking to, to a couple of different groups. I met a man who, who was working uh, within government. He was a... He was a uh, uh, where they're, they're trying to influence government, not, not the money, lobbyists. They were lo he was a lobbyist working with Christian organizations, and he told me, he says, he goes, we have a 50-year plan and a 75-year plan. I had never heard a Christian say that before. All the Christians I had hung out with said, well, Jesus is coming back tomorrow. We just need to live today. You know, we just need to do everything today. And I, I said, you have a 50, your organization has a 50-year plan and a 75-year plan? And he goes, absolutely. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. We need to plan and be organized, and we need to do this with the idea that even if it doesn't happen in my lifetime, it'll happen in one of the, the, the following uh, generations to come, and it will happen. It will happen. It will happen. The vision for the valley 24 churches in 10 years. It will happen. We, only, we have five years. It'll, it, what we've seen, what we, what we know, what God has said, it will happen. You watch it happen. But here's the deal. That vision 
is much bigger than 24 churches in 10 years. Do you want to hear how big the vision actually is? <laughs> It'd blow your mind. What I know God's going to do. If we continue, I have a 50 year plan. I have a 75 year. I'm not going to be here probably in 50 years. If I am, just put me somewhere soft. <laughs> Give me something to drink. I'll smile and wave. <laughs> but 50 years from now, the, the glory of God could be filling this whole region. And it was started by us, but our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and beyond, they're the ones that are going to go, wow, look what God has done. Who did this? I don't remember. But I don't care. What matters is we do what he told us to do today. We do it fully. We do it with all of our heart. And we do the impossible stuff that can't, that just, is, it seems so impossible. 24 churches in 10 years. That's nuts. But by faith, this will be completed. Watch what God does. He's going to get the glory. Because none of us are smart enough. Well, there's a couple. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, verse 13, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have, done, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it, is, as it is, they desire a better country. How many of you desire a better country? Amen. Take that any way you want. That is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall, be your, shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Isaac didn't die. Abraham was ready to kill him. Because God, God says, That's your, I'm going to give you a son and name him Isaac. Isaac was growing up, and God wanted to see, okay, are you going to give your only son if I ask you to? And he said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take him up to that mountain up there. I want you to build an altar. I want you to take some fire. And I want you to kill your son up there on that mountain. And offer him to me as a sacrifice. And Abraham said, okay. That's all we see. We don't see any hesitation. We don't, it's not written down anywhere. It says that he just got up the next morning and said, let's go. He went and did it. Now, can you imagine the, the, what's going on in his head? The reality is, he's just like you and me. But he's seen some stuff. He's seen God do some things. And he assumed that God could raise the dead. He went, okay, we're going to do this. Takes him up there, even his son. I love that line. His son goes, hey, dad, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide it. 
And that place was called the place where God will provide. And God did provide. There was a ram there. He stopped. I mean, he was coming down, man. He was coming down with that knife. And it says an angel stopped him. He was in. You have to be in. When God tells you to do something, you have to be in. Because it said in these earlier chapters, you can always look back and go back if you want. You can quit. Noah could have quit building an ark. Abraham could have gone back to Ur. He could have had a whole bunch of kids with whoever he wanted to. He could have just ignored his wife, his older wife. He could have not tried to kill. He could have not obeyed God and, and, and been in the attempt of killing his son, sacrificing his son. But I believe, here's, here's another thing I've heard, I've heard theologians say it. I believe it. This is what I believe. I believe that God was saying, all right, you were willing to give your only son? I'll give my only son. That righteousness was accredited, or that, that faith was accredited to him as righteousness. But you have a chance to go back. You can, you can give up at any time you want. You really can. But don't give up. Don't quit. Don't quit. God will do everything he said he will do in your life and in everything that he's told you that he'll do it in. It's by righteousness, or it's by faith that you're accredited righteousness. We can skip down through a bunch of these. The whole, you could read that whole chapter. I, that's your assignment for this week. Read Hebrews 11. Talks about Moses. Talks about the Exodus. And then he gets into a whole bunch of people who some of them were kind of scoundrels. Samson, Gideon, he was pretty good. David was a murderer. Samuel, these, he did all these things. And then we get to verse 33, and he says, All these people who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, becoming mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection, some who were tortured, or some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. By faith, you, have, you will have the ability to do things that you don't have the ability in your own strength. There is so much in life I don't have the strength for. I would give up, man. I'd give up if it wasn't for God. But by faith, I believe, he said, he has said that he has given me everything I need for, for life and godliness. And I believe that. I trust that. So if he says, go do this, it's like, okay, here we go. Because I have, I have in the past backed up. I could tell you those stories. I could tell you, I could tell you about times I quit partway through and I kick myself now. About 18 years ago, 18 years ago, anybody, anybody ever heard of uh, uh, Phil Keggy? Phil Keggy. I believe I was praying one day and I felt like the Lord says, bring Phil Keggy to Stillwater, have him do a concert down in the park, a free concert. He says, you'll cover all the costs. And I was like, okay, 
I love Phil Keggy. That'd be wonderful. We'll have a concert in the park. This is going to be so much fun. I was like, well, how do I get Phil Keggy? Well, I got to call his manager. So I called his manager, and his manager goes, $16,000. And I went, I don't have $16,000. The church doesn't have $16,000. We were barely paying our bills. $16,000. Oh, okay. Okay, we're going to do this. So I, I started contacting some Christian businessmen. Oh, we'd love to be a part of that. Yeah, we can, we can give $500. Okay, it's better than nothing. I have $500. We don't have $16,000, but we have five. Okay, talk to somebody else. Oh, I'd love to give $300. Okay, and then it dried up. Nothing. Nobody wanted to get, it's like, I'm like, where am I going to get the money? I can't, I'm not going to borrow the money. I'm not, I, oh, and I started to panic. I started to panic. And I got about three months out from the concert and I couldn't take it anymore. And I called up the, I called up his, his agent. I said, I can't do this. The money's not coming in. I said, I, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to drag you guys along. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt this. I said, no. And he goes, no, 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 don't, don't quit. Don't quit. He says, the money will come. And I was like, dude, I'm being a realist here. I don't have the money. I just, no way. I can't, we can't. No, I, we, I'm, it's done. I, I killed the whole thing. I stopped it right then and there. And I hung up the phone and I've regretted it every second since. That doesn't seem like a huge thing. It's not life and death, is it? No. But here's what it did. In that moment, I said, God, I'll never do that again. If you tell me to do something, I will, will do it. I'll do it. And then he goes and says, do 24 churches in 10 years. <laughs> and he goes, really? You're really going to do this, huh? Yes, we are. It's going to happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. By faith, you do something. You walk forward. You move forward. You do what he says to do and watch what he'll do. Now, it could be anything. Go to college. I can't do college. I'm a terrible student. Wow. Not the second time, exactly. He more than able. Get married. I can't get married. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What if, what if, what if, you know, all the what ifs. What if, what if, what if I can't trust her? What if I can't trust him? What if I can't, what if, what if? Yeah, just if God says to get married, just go get married. Trust, believe him. <laughs> Have children. Oh gosh, have you seen the news lately? How crazy it is out there? Bring kids into the world now. You know, if God tells you to have children, have children. Because God needs those children. They're going to grow up into God. If you train them upright, you do what God tells you to do, then they will will change this world. Powerful men and young men and women in in the body of Christ. This church has, has a bunch of them. Be obedient. Do what God tells you to do. And don't shrink back. Don't quit when it gets hard. School's hard. Marriage is hard. Having kids is hard. So is failure. So is quitting. It's easy to quit, but it stinks afterwards. Amen? Faith is an action.
I on now? Oh, there we go. Well, hello, everyone. Oh, it's great to be in front of you beautiful people. Um, so I have a question to start out, um, doing the offering message, if no one knows why I'm up here, that's why. Um, so are you guys ready to put faith into action by offering part of your wealth to our Lord? Are we excited about that? <laughs> so that's kind of my response. That's been my response for a couple decades. Yeah, okay, yeah, a little excited, I suppose. Uh, lived that way for quite a while, and, um, until I got a little bit of perspective change. A lot of that started when I came to the church here and uh, heard a lot of truth about what God does with wealth, why it's so important. But I'll tell you one thing. The main thing that changed my perspective was something I learned at Karis, but we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> so if you have your Bibles, take them out still. We're going to start in 2 Corinthians 9, um, verses 6 through 12. If you uh, are following along with our one-year Bible reading, that was last Saturday's, part of last Saturday's reading. If you haven't started that, hop on board. It's good stuff, you guys. Uh, so 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 6. But I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever." Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberty, uh, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Um, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Um, Reading through that, we've heard a lot of those, voice, uh, those verses used in different offering messages. Um, seed to the sower, you know, he, we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly, sow abundantly, we reap abundantly. Um, those are all part of the things that certainly changed my perspective. But one of the main things um, was a class I took at Karis, and they gave a good understanding of the Jewish perspective, um, the Jewish mentality on wealth. And it just blew my mind, something I had never learned before. I wanna share one of those things with you guys today. Um, one of the main ones that I, I feel really goes along with what Pastor John was talking about this morning. Um, there's a couple other ones too, and if you wanna know those, you have to sign up and take Karis classes and learn the, the truth and wisdom, and that's the second plug I'll do today. <laughs> um, so in understanding a bit of the Jewish understanding of wealth, uh, it comes from a book called Secrets of Jewish Wealth Revealed by Rabbi Keslow. And he writes, one of the greatest differences that sets Jews apart from our cultural groups is that we see our wealth as a means to partner with God, as a way to bring God's kingdom into this earth, a concept that they call tikkum olam, perfecting the world. 
we perfect the world by using our God-given wealth to further God's realm on this planet. So what you see is that the Jewish people's pursuit of wealth is often paired with the pursuit of charitable works, not just for selfish purposes. So the bottom line is this, to be religious Jews, we are not supposed to be isolating ourselves on mountains and meditate, nor are we to take vows of poverty. Rather, we are supposed to get into the world, interact with it, and elevate the mundane. This, in fact, is the traditional meaning of uh, tikkum olam. We repair the world by elevating it to the holy. Um, and that just changed my complete concept of, of giving to the Lord. Um, so going back to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, um, he talks a lot about a cheerful giver. Actually, that whole section in my Bible, the title is uh, The Cheerful Giver. Um, not something I always felt like I was really good at. I was certainly doing it out of necessity once I learned a bit more of the concepts, um, sometimes begrudgingly <laughs> as well. Um, but in order for us to, I feel at least personally, for us to be cheerful in our giving and offering part of our wealth to God is to understand the honor it is to help participate in bringing his kingdom come. Uh, we have this opportunity, and not all churches participate in it. We hear the gospel of salvation. We know we need to bring um, the love of God to people, but we don't also we don't often hear the salvation of the kingdom. Uh, I think that's one thing this church does pretty well. Uh, Mark Kay's class last fall about kingdom constitution was mind blowing. Also, um, but part of the Lord's prayer is, "Your will be done." your kingdom come. And we do that through the offering of our wealth to places and ministries such as this who are purposed in training the saints and equipping them to go out and do the work of the ministry, to bring that kingdom here. And each one of us are those saints who are going out to do the work of the ministry. Um, so we really have a beautiful opportunity and such an honor to participate in bringing God's kingdom through the support of offering part of our wealth that he has blessed us with um, back to him through these ministries. So let us pray. Our Father, how great thou art. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done here on earth as it is in that beautiful heaven. Lord, we ask that you give us this day our bread and our seed, that you bless the sowing, that you bless the reaping that we may sow yet again. And we thank you, God, for this beautiful honor of putting our faith into action and giving you, offering to you part of the, the overflowing and abundant wealth and, and time and energy and everything you've blessed us with to be able to worship you. We ask that these things be done in Jesus' name with a cheerful heart, a joyous attitude. In Jesus' name, amen. So let it be.